In this episode, I continue to discuss what keeps you stuck. This time, isolation and your support system. My name is Justin Sinceri. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist that thinks the world needs a new paradigm for mental health. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. This podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended to be a replacement for therapy. This episode is a continuation from last week's short episode on what keeps you stuck. Last week it was your stories. This time it is isolation, your support system. Uh, So give that one a listen either right now before you listen to this one or right after the order doesn't really matter. But I give that a listen as well. And the first thing here I think to get into is we're not going to go over the entirety of the polyvagal theory. But one piece of this is the concept of co-regulation. And that really is important for us to, to understand accurately. With co-regulation, co-regulation is, is not just supporting each other. It's not just one person listening to another person and like offering advice or giving encouragement. So when I say co-regulation, I'm not talking about just support. When I say co-regulation, I'm talking about a biological process that happens between two nervous systems or two. We'll talk about two human beings in particular here, although it happens between your pets and yourself as well. Co-regulation is this unconscious autonomic process where let's say one, two, we have two people. One of those people is in a dysregulated, maybe they're in like a very anxious kind of state. So they feel anxiety, more of a flight kind of state of their, uh, of their nervous system. The other person has more of a safety state. And that means they're able to smile and they can use eye crinkles. Uh, they can listen accurately, have vocal prosody, like a, a greater range of voice. So what happens is that person who's in their safety state they send cues of safety through all of those little unconscious uh, social techniques, I guess. It sends these safety cues to the other person who's in more of a defensive flight anxiety state. They pick up on it and that helps them to feel safer. So that's what co-regulation is. That's the basic idea of co-regulation. We need each other. We are individuals. Yes, we have personal responsibility. Yes, absolutely. But we're also social creatures. Human beings are mammals, and mammals are social creatures. We cannot ignore that aspect of ourselves and live a happy, healthy, full life. We kind of need each other. So co-regulation and our connection to each other go hand in hand. Um, If if you're into the polyvagal theory, I have my podcast, Stuck Not Broken, episode 101 through 109. Go really in-depth into the greater... Uh, realm or universe of the polyvagal theory, where we talk about these different steps or on the polyvagal ladder, all these different concepts. So listen to my pod- podcast, uh, episode 101 of Stuck Not Broken through 109. You'll get a crash course, really deep dive into polyvagal theory. Um, I also have polyvagal 101 on my website. It's a course uh, that you can purchase that goes, again, deep dive, exclusive video, all that stuff on my website, justinlmft.com. So yeah, for yourself, just something to reflect on. Do you have safe other people in your life. We all need that. Every single one of us, we need safe others in our life. If you're in like a a fight state, if you exist in more of a flight, aggressive state, you might think that you're fine on your own. You might say, F everybody else, I got this. I don't need anybody. If you're in more of a shutdown, depressed, numb, isolated kind of state, you might think that you'll never find other people. And maybe you've given up on that, whether it's relationships or friendships or reconnecting with your family if you need to. Uh, you may have just given up on that idea entirely, or maybe you have 
safe people in your life and you think that they will give up on you. From a shutdown state, that's kind of the beliefs that we have. But you also might have people in your life that are safe and maybe you're just missing it. Like they might be there. I work with a lot of students during the daytime. I'm a therapist at a school district. And they come from homes that don't have much co-regulation, if at all. And they come to school and they don't like school, but they also don't realize that at school, they have opportunities for co-regulation and sometimes with friends, but a lot of times it's with uh, staff and there is a teacher or there's someone that they're really able to connect with. And when they stop and think about it, they do realize, oh, that there is that one person. So for you in your life, uh, maybe they are there and you're just kind of missing it. But you have to like stop and think about it and, and ask yourself, when do I feel safe? Or not just when, but like who do I feel safe around? Who do I feel some level of trust or maybe vulnerability, maybe calm, maybe some happiness, someone you smile with, like genuine smiles. So who in your life do you have? And that's an opportunity for co-regulation. And maybe it's not somebody in your home. That may be the case, but there might be somebody in your life, even just through little moments, you might have small moments of co-regulation, even like in a store where you're gla- you know, seeing somebody and giving each other that smile. And that can help you to feel even like little tiny bits of safety. And that's better than nothing. It's not ideal, but it's better than nothing. The other thing I would, I would ask, and don't, don't answer me, but just for yourself, your own self-reflection, or maybe even like journaling or whatnot, is are you able to identify safety? If it's in your life, if you have people in your life that are safe, um, are you able to identify it? Could you feel it? Because this, this could be really hard to recognize in others, especially if you don't have a history of co-regulation, of healthy attachment. You might not be able to feel it when it is there, if it, if it is there. So the priority, if that's the case, the priority might be to learn how to identify safety and then to build on that. And really to identify safety, first you have to find it, I think, within yourself, especially as you get older. I think you got to find it within yourself and then branch out from there and look for uh, friendships, look for relationships. But identifying safety first might be the thing and then recognizing it in other people. Otherwise, if you don't do that and you're kind of mindlessly, we'll say, looking for a connection without really feeling the connection, you may be setting yourself up for friendships in quotes, friendships or relationships in quotes that are not healthy, that may be uh, being taken advantage of or, or worse. So you may not be finding safety. You may instead be finding protection or it feels like protection. And the way you tell a difference is safety is when you find safety and you actually have it with somebody else, you'll be able to do things like smile together, uh, make gentle eye contact. You'll be able to feel vulnerable. Uh, that doesn't mean you're telling them all your stuff. That, but it just means that inside you'll feel this calm, breathing might be easier. It's different than just feeling less defensiveness. So if you're around someone and your anxiety is reduced or your aggression's reduced, or maybe you have more life in you, more like less numbness, that's something. But that might just be a relief from whatever defensive stuff you're going through, whatever uh, defensive state you're stuck in. That doesn't necessarily mean you're accessing your own safe and social state and connecting with somebody else who is also accessing their own safe and social state. So you might feel less defensiveness, but that could also come from someone who's able to manipulate uh, you and get you to feel less defensiveness, but not really build an actual solid co-regulative relationship. There's a difference there. So safety versus protection. 
And if, if you don't have that, if you don't have anybody in your life, uh, you can find some level of co-regulation even through like artificial means or uh, professionally. So hiring a therapist, there's lots of co-regulation happening in therapy. Uh, that can be a great way to, maybe the first way to feel safety, to feel vulnerability, to feel connection, and then to build from there. You, you'll get safe voices, you get safe faces. Hopefully you get a competent therapist that's able to do that for you. Um, you can discover safety through your senses also. So maybe it's not a professional therapist. Maybe it's just you on your own and you don't know what safety feels like. And you can discover what safety feels like through your senses, through what you see or smell or touch. There might be a certain texture that just kind of speaks to your system. It helps you to feel safer, calmer, happier, breathe easier. There might be a smell. There might be a, a sight. There might be some piece of your environment or nature, something that you can feel more safety, more calm, more connectedness, more wholeness. That can be a really good way to feel safety and then build from there within yourself and then identify it in other people. Uh, you could also, I have a course called Building Safety Anchors that can help you to identify safety. It's on justinlmft.com. And that goes through six different ways. Like music is such a good way to feel safety. Movement can be a really good way to feel safety. Your senses, there's six different ways that I list, that I list in building safety anchors that can help you to feel safety. Uh, but yeah, music can be a really, really good way to feel your feelings and then to eventually climb your political ladder into more of a, a safe and social state. What doesn't help, what absolutely does not help is isolating. Uh, I'm talking about more of like physically isolating. Again, I work with a lot of teens and they'll go to the room and they'll isolate. But for you, you might that might not be you. But what you may do is isolate in your home or maybe you isolate on your phone. Like right now you might be isolating. Maybe I'm part of the problem. <laughs> but you might just isolate with the screen in front of your face and cut out the rest of the world. So that doesn't help. That doesn't help you to doesn't necessarily help, especially if it's done more mindlessly. If you can mindfully experience things, that might be helpful. If you can mindfully utilize your phone for meditation or for some visual stimuli, they may, maybe that could help. But otherwise, isolation in general doesn't really help out. What I'm really most concerned about for, for you maybe is the emotional isolation. And I think that's something we all kind of do. I don't think that's exclusively some person or whatever. Like it, we, we all do that. We all, I think, isolate emotionally. We, we cut ourselves emotionally from other people and that could be um, just keeping your emotions to yourself. Someone asks how you're doing and they mean it and you just say, I'm fine. It could be something like that. But we also isolate ourselves emotionally from ourselves. And that doesn't help either. So things like hiding your emotions, stuffing them down, minimizing your emotions, rationalizing your emotions, all, all or maximizing, catastrophizing, all these things that we do to cut ourselves off from our true felt experience, our true emotions. You know, keeping things to yourself. And maybe you need to. There, there could be plenty of circumstances where someone needs to or they're just not ready to talk about it. Even in therapy, they're just they're not ready to talk about it quite yet. So that might be justified. That might be needed, of course. But in general, what I'm saying is ignoring how you feel, it just doesn't help. And we have to actually feel our feelings. As we're ready to, it's not always easy. Sometimes it's downright uncomfortable. Sometimes it's downright painful. Sometimes we're not ready for it. If our social engagement system is not built up enough, our safety state, then tapping into feeling that defensive state is really hard. 
it, it might be extremely uncomfortable. It might be re-traumatizing if that's kind of what you're dealing with is uh, some stuck defensive state trauma stuff. That could absolutely be re-traumatizing delving into that stuff before you're ready to. But eventually, we kind of have to. We have to eventually feel our feelings and stop minimizing or excusing or rationalizing, whatever it is. And once we can feel it, don't make it go away. Just let it be there. And then notice as it shifts, if you can mindfully do that, that can help. Well, that will stop the emotional isolation, at least from yourself. If you can focus on what's going on within you, at least you won't be emotionally cutting yourself off from yourself. And if you can do that, eh, maybe you can build from there and uh, share it with safe others in your life if you have them. Or I help you to identify safe others in your life, excuse me. So yeah, don't emotionally isolate yourself as much as you can. That doesn't mean I want you to go share all your stuff with anybody and everybody. That's not what I mean at all, no. But yeah, the more you can feel safe and then tap into your stuck defensive energy, I think the better in general. Thank you so much for listening. Fellow Stuck Nut, I hope you've learned something new to help you in your own process of getting unstuck. Do me a favor, subscribe or follow this podcast on your favorite platform and share it with someone you care about. Bye. This podcast is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area if you're experiencing mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed to be specific life advice. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. More resources are available in the description of this episode and in the footer of justinlmft.com.